Good to have all of you here today. Turn in your Bible to two passages of Scripture, really one. Just turn to 1 Samuel 16, and I'll just kind of get you started as to where we're going. We're in a series called Fear Not. Everyone say, Fear Not. Learning to walk by what? And not by sight. That's what we're talking about. And you say, well, how, how come we're still on that? Because listen, I believe this lesson is one of the greatest life lessons any of us can embrace. Learning to live a life and walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, our keynote verse, as you can see, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. I want us all just to say it out loud together. Here we go. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, what does it say? For we walk by... Now tell somebody that. Look somebody in the eyes and don't look at the screen and tell them. For we walk by and not by sight. If you learn that, if it becomes real in your life... I promise you things will begin to turn around in your behalf. You'll begin to see God do great things in your midst. And and, uh, the blessings of God will be made manifest in your life. And so faith is so important for us. In fact, uh, in the absence of faith, fear comes rushing in, right? Fear and intimidation and all those things. Uh, In fact, Pastor Sam's definition of fear, kind of just so you'll understand, it's nothing more than a natural reaction to a distorted perspective of a temporary circumstance. It's nothing more than a natural reaction. You know, if I come back up behind you and just grab you and go, huh, you know, that's just a natural reaction. And all kinds of fear, it's just, that's just the way we react. But God's wanting us to, to stop reacting and begin to respond in faith. Uh, and so fear is nothing more than a natural reaction to a distorted perspective of a temporary circumstance. You might say, well, Pastor, you don't know my circumstance. Well, Paul the Apostle had some circumstances, and he said these circumstances, these momentary light afflictions, they're all temporary. He said, actually, we, we don't even look at those. We look at, our, we look at the, the, the blessings of God and the far greater, more eternal weight of glory. We've got our eyes looking beyond the, our, our, our bad mess or the circumstances of our moment, and we are walking by what? And not by sight. Now, last week we looked at Abraham. He's the father of our faith. Uh, and I wish I could go back and re-preach that. But we learned a lesson last week. I want to just uh, repeat it for you. And that is this, that walking by faith and not by sight requires some predetermined knowledge. Now catch this. It requires some predetermined knowledge and understanding about God. In fact, the more you learn and know God, the more you can walk by and not by Sight. In fact, it says this in Romans about Abraham. It says in Romans 4, 21, and being fully convinced. Everyone say fully convinced. Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And so when you become fully convinced about God and some things about him and you get this, this predetermined knowledge about God and, and, and an understanding and a revelation of God in your life, you can begin to walk by faith and not by sight. And so uh, it's not a blind faith. It's not just a blind, you know, I'm just, I'm just blindly walking off the cliff. It's really not that at all. The more you know about God, the more you know God and the more you understand God, the greater level of faith you have and you can walk by and not by sight. In fact, Paul said this in 2 Timothy. uh, He said this to Timothy. I know whom I've believed in. 
And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed unto him until that day. You see, his knowledge and knowing of God caused him to be persuaded about eternity. You see, that's where things start getting fixed in our life. When we begin to know some things and as Abraham become fully convinced. Now, to illustrate that point this morning, I need a faith-filled volunteer or two. I need a faith-filled volunteer. Who's ready to volunteer? Now, if you don't volunteer, I'll just pick you as a volunteer. I'll say, okay. Oh, we got a faith-filled volunteer. All right, come on up. Let's give Matt a big hand. God bless you, Matt. Come on up. I want you to stand right here, Matt. Now, I need three more. Uh, not You don't have to be faith-filled. You just need to be volunteers. Uh, okay, just three more. Here we go. Here's one right here. I need two more. Uh, come on, I need two more. Here comes Kobe. All right. Uh, you stand right there. Stand right there. All right, Kobe, you stand down there. All right. Uh, Ryan, you stand right here. All right. Yeah, right. No, right here. Right there. There you go. Now, turn around and... Now, y'all turn around and look at Matt. Okay, Matt, you need to peruse your circumstances. All right. That's why I pointed at him. <laughs> now, because I'm about to, what? Blindfold you. All right. Good. That's what Velcro's for. You can't see anything, can you? Not a thing. All right. Do you remember where you are? Yes. Now the, now, the three gentlemen before, I want, uh, come up here. Now, I don't know you don't normally hold hands with, uh, with guys, but that's, that's God the Father. That's God. No, come here, God the Father. You're God the Father. You ought to know God looked like that and wear those kind of glasses, did you? Amen. Here's Jesus' son. Uh, you kind of take, uh, take a hold right there. All right. Here comes, here comes the Holy Spirit. Oh, help us, Jesus. Holy Spirit. All right. And here, take that one hand. You take it right in here. All right. Now, Matt, you don't, you don't see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, do you? No, I don't see But you know they're there. I can feel them. Right? You can feel Now, what I want you to do in faith, walk down those steps. Give Matt a big hand. Now, Matt, you can take off your blindfold. Now, was that simple or what? Now, why was he able to do that? You, God, Father, God, Son, God, Holy Spirit, y'all can go back. Why was, you stay here, Matt. Why was that so simple? He was blindfolded. You know what he had? He had a predetermined knowledge and an understanding and a revelation of God in his life. He could sense them in his life. He couldn't see them, but he could sense them. And because he's such a man of faith, he gets a $10 gift card to Chick-fil-A right there, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. It pays to volunteer around here. Amen. Thank you so much. So you need to understand that. Walking by faith is not blind obedience off into the darkness without a knowing of what's going on in your life. The more you know and understand about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, His Word in your life, you'll be able to walk by and not by sight. Amen. So with that in mind, I don't know if I told you to turn to 1 Samuel 16 and 17. With that in mind, we're going to begin to learn this life lesson about walking by faith and not by sight. We're going to continue to learn how to do this through the life of a little shepherd boy by the name of David. Thank you. These lessons from the shepherd boy, I'm telling you, are life changing. In fact, when you look at David, you learn that he had some predetermined understanding 
about God in his life before he ever really came on the scene. Uh, in fact, uh, chapter 16 of 1 Samuel is the day he was anointed as the king. In fact, he was not his daddy's choice. Uh, you know, the, the Samuel came to the house of Jesse and said, bring all your kids here because from your house, the next king of Israel is going to be anointed. So he brought all the, all the kids, uh, the older ones, but David. David was the littlest one. And, and you know the story, how God looked at all of them and said, no, that's not the one, that's not the one. Do you have any more? He said, well, I, I got David, but he's just a kid. He's out watching the sheep. Well, bring him here to me. Uh, and, uh, and you know what, what God said about all that. He said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so we even know about David when he was anointed king as a little, he says a little boy, he's probably a teenager at the time, that God had looked in his life. In fact, Acts 13 says he was a man after God's own heart. And so there was some predetermined knowledge and relationship and, and revelation that David carried in his heart about God. You get the picture? And then the next chapter, David is facing who? Goliath. Everybody say, Goliath. Now, we're going to learn some life lessons from this story of how David faced Goliath. We're going to learn lessons about walking by faith and not by Side. And so I've got four this morning, and next week I've got four more. And so don't miss next week. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, you can't miss next week. It's against the rules. It's against the rules to miss next week. Okay, we've got family and friends that are out visiting and, and having fun, and I understand that, vacation. But next week, if you had vacation plans for next week, just call, call it off. You've got to be back. In fact, I told Beverly... Uh, I told Beverly this, I'm getting a little distracted. I leaned over to her, I said, we need to send a letter to the church and in some way communicate to them the, that July needs to be attendance turnaround month, hallelujah. And get everybody back on track. Uh, and so I know it's the summer and I realize that. So we look at the life of David and we can learn some lessons from life. Now, here's the story in chapter 17. Israel and, and, the, Phil and the Philistines are, are, are kind of standing off with one another. Here's the armies of Israel and here's the Philistines. The difference was that the Philistines had a Goliath. And for 40 days, Goliath every day would come out and taunt the armies of Israel. In fact, it's interesting that every day the armies of Israel would get all frothed up. And in fact, you, when you read it, I want to encourage you to read these two chapters this week. Uh, uh, I'm almost make you swear you'll read these two chapters next week. How many of you, you'll read these two chapters next week and I, I won't even have to make you swear or, 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 you know, anything. You'll just read them and you'll begin to meditate. I want to encourage you to do that. It'll help you for next week for sure. But you'll find out that the armies of Israel, they'd get all frothed up every day. And then, ah, you know, have you ever seen, you know, you ever seen Braveheart or these, you know, they'd get all frothed up and then they'd take off. The difference with these people, they'd get all frothed up and then the Philistine giant would just get them all fear, full of fear. And so for 40 days this happens. Well, Jesse, he sends uh, David to the battlefront to bring uh, some food and some reinforcements and to check on his sons, his older sons, who are, you know, out in the army. And so David shows up, you know the story, and he says, what's going on? His brother disdains him, and he says, man, why are we letting this uncircumcised Philistine do this? 
and, and you know the story how uh, he eventually ran towards the roar, if you will, and with a sling and a stone, the Goliath came tumbling down. Amen? Now, uh, I could read all that to you, but I'm just going gonna to hit pieces of this story. I just wanted to kind of give you uh, kind of a review the story with you. And now I'm going to give you four lessons of living that will help you walk by and not by sight. Before I do that, everybody say, thank God for the little shepherd boy. Amen. What a great illustration. And the first one is this. Here we go. Lessons from a shepherd boy. The first one, a walking by faith and not by sight. The first one is this, that you and I must learn. We've got to learn to refuse to listen to the voice of fear because it will do what? It will do what? That's what was happening with the children of Israel. They were the armies of Israel, not just the children of Israel, the armies of Israel were paralyzed because they listened to the voice of this giant, this Goliath in their life. And listen, understand something. Fear not only comes by way of what we see, it comes by way of what we hear. Isn't that right? In fact, how many of you remember Jaws, the movie Jaws? Wah, wah. How many of you, after you watch Jaws, now you younger kids, it's probably, you, that's nothing to you, but how many of you older folks, when you watch Jaws, you wouldn't go back in the ocean for like six months? Wah, wah. I mean, it just scared the wajibis out of you. Wah, wah. But here's something interesting. You turn down the volume and you don't hear, wah, wah. All of a sudden, it's almost kind of humorous. Am I right? You take whatever scary show you want, you turn down the volume. Why, why is that? Because, hey, the movie writers know that fear comes into our life not only by what we see, but what we... And this giant knew exactly that. The giant just didn't go out and go... <laughs> He'd be kind of funny and silly. No, he began to revile the armies of Israel. And, and the armies of Israel listened to the wah wah of the giant. In fact, look at what it says in chapter 17, verse 4. Let me just kind of get you the picture. And the champion, that is the giant, the, the Goliath, went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. See, it's, he's beginning to describe what they saw. Uh, and he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the, the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had a bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders, and now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him, and then he stood. Now, see, that's what they saw, but now listen to what they began to hear. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out? to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man from yourselves and let him come down here. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then he will be, uh, we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words, Everyone say, heard these words. When they heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now, what we need to learn from David is, though he heard the same words, he didn't let them lodge 
into his heart. In fact, it says, if you look over verse 23, when David shows up, it says, then he talked with them. And there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. And so David heard them. He heard the same words, but he didn't digest them. How many of you know there's a difference? In fact, when David heard these words, it got him all irritated and up in a froth that all the armies of Israel had not already gone out and taken down the giant. And the lesson of life that you and I need to learn today from the little shepherd boy is this. You've got to refuse to listen to the voice of fear and intimidation because understand something, it will paralyze you. David heard the same words, but he didn't hear it through the ears of fear and doubt. He heard it through the ears and eyes of faith, and it processed through his predetermined understanding of God. And he knew some things about God. God's bigger than this giant. Everybody say, God's bigger than the giant. And he was able to face the giant and be victorious over the giant because he refused to listen to the voice of fear and intimidation. Write that down. Log it into the recent, because how many of you have ever heard, though you've not faced Goliath, you've faced some Goliaths in your life. And my friend, they, 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 wanna, they want to intimidate you. They want to bring you under the, the governance of their fear and intimidation in their life. And hey, we cannot, uh, we cannot digest that stuff in our life. If we do, we'll be just like the armies of Israel. We get all frothed up, but because of fear and intimidation, we never do anything. And we become what? Paralyzed. So lesson number one we learned from David in walking by faith and not by sight. Everybody say refuse. Everyone, in fact, everyone read, uh, go back, help, help me here. Go back to number one. Here we go. Everyone read number one. Refuse to listen to the voice of fear. It will paralyze you. Tell somebody that. Look them in the old eyeball and tell them. Refuse to listen to the voice of fear. It will paralyze you. It really will. Number two, here we go. The second life lesson we can learn about walking by and not by side is this. It's also another refusal. Number two, refuse to listen to the voice of judgment. It will minimize you. Now, here's the interesting thing about David. Before David ever, ever heard Goliath's judgmental declaration over his life, we'll look at it in a moment, he had to deal with everyday Goliath in his life called his family. And did you know when he showed up and he began to declare, hey, what, what's going on here? How come no one's taken down the, the Philistine? His big brother in verse 28 says this to him. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. For you've just come down to see the battle. He began to judge his little brother. In fact, Eliab had some issues. In fact, David's reply to him, what have I done now? In other words, I've heard this before. I got a feeling Eliab got a little issue with God and everybody when God rejected him from being king. 
And the reason God rejected Eliab from being king because somehow he didn't build within him a lifestyle that God was looking for on the inside. And so before David could ever face his Goliath, he had to face his family. And could I tell you today how you live life, how you handle the judgments of others in your life determines how you're going to handle the Goliaths in your life. Because understand something, judgmentalism is meant to minimize you. Now, just a side note, you know why Eliab did that with, with, uh, with David? Because he felt small in his own eyes. Listen, when people start speaking judgmentalism over your life, it's, it's not because uh, they want you to feel small, uh, because they just need to feel bigger. And the only way they can do it is to make you feel small. You've got to refuse to listen to the judgmentalism of this life. It's designed to minimize you. I remember the children of Israel when they came up to the promised land the first time and they sent the spies in. You remember? The spies came in. I think there was 12. Ten came back with a bad report. Two, Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. They said, we're able the, the, to go up and take the country. The ten came back and they had, they had been talking with one another. Man, these giants are big. Oh my goodness. We can't do this. We can't do that. Oh man, we, in fact, it says that they said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. You see, the spirit of judgmentalism was all over their life. They already felt small in their own eye. And little David shows up. And, and here's the key. It's not how big the dog is in the fight. It's how big the fight is in the dog. I got a little dog that thinks he could take on a German shepherd. Until he faces him down. <laughs> you know, You see, it wasn't the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And David has some fight on the inside of him. And he wasn't going to let his brother or even Goliath minimize him in his own sight. In fact, if you go over to the, when he's facing Goliath, if you look over to, oh, verse uh, 42, Goliath starts his condemnation. He starts his judgmentalism. And he says this, And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, Oh, by the way, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. And we'll get to this next week, but he says, Oh, by the way, this day you're coming down. And I'm going to feed your body and head to the birds. Glory to God. And we know the end of the story. But how did he get there? He refused to listen to the voice of judgment. And that voice of judgment, understand something, it will minimize you in your own sight. And you'll begin to feel inferior and incapable and unable. And I can't do this and I can't do that. And oh man, life is bad. And fear comes into your life. And at the very best, you get all frosted up, but nowhere to go. 
because you feel small and inefficient and unable. If you're going to walk by faith and not by sight, you've got to learn from the little shepherd boy to, I'm not listening to the voice of judgment, what others say about me, what I can and cannot do. You know what? If the truth were known here in this room, many of you may have been raised in the atmosphere where all people told you is what you can't do, what you're not able to do, and you'll never be worth this and you'll never be worth that. You, got, you just can't listen to that. I'm going to say you can't listen to that. You can't digest that stuff. And if you have digested that stuff, well, then you need to be delivered from that stuff. Because my Bible tells me you've got more than a conqueror living on the inside of you. My Bible tells me greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. My Bible tells me that, hey, I'm the head, not the tail. Come on now, somebody say it. Amen. You see, when you get some predetermined knowledge and understanding of God in your life, it will override what every voice of judgmentalism has ever implanted within your brain or in your mind or in your psyche. I got one person brave enough to clap. Let's give God some glory if we're going to give him glory. That's really true. Everyone say you got to refuse it. In fact, let's read it. Refuse to listen to the voice of judgment. It will minimize you. You see, how you handle daily life determines how you're going to handle the Goliaths of your life. David had processed his brother's insecurities and didn't allow them to put him in a place of being minimized in the eyes of himself. Even though his brother had minimized him, he didn't minimize himself. In fact, he said, what does a guy get for killing the Philistine? Is there a gift card to Chick-fil-A or what? (laughs) Number three, the third life lesson you and I need to learn from the little shepherd boy is not only refuse to listen to the voice of judgment, but number three, renew an atmosphere of faith. It will galvanize you. Now, I love the word galvanize. It has nothing to do with pipe unless you're talking about pipe. The word galvanize means to shock or excite someone to the point of action. Now, I like that. How many of you never knew that's what galvanize meant? To excite, or it's like electricity. I'm telling to shock or excite someone to the point of action. What was the problem with the children of, of, or the armies of Israel? They were paralyzed. And in walks the little shepherd boy, and he begins to renew an atmosphere of faith. How in the world did he do that? Listen carefully to me. This will change your life. He walked into the middle of their paralysis. He walked into the middle of their fear. He walked into the middle of their intimidation. And he began to speak words of faith into the circumstances. And it just amazed everybody. (coughs) So much so that they said, Wow, we got to take this boy to the numero uno person in charge. We got to get him in front of Saul because this boy's saying some things that are are different than what we've been saying. And what what did David do? He walked into there in an atmosphere of faith and began to speak the word of faith over the circumstances of all these armies of Israel. And And it electrified the atmosphere. How many of you know we have that same capacity? In fact, remember, I don't know if I shared, I might have not shared this verse with you. Uh, 
but when even in, back in 1 Samuel 16, when Saul needed someone to soothe this distressing spirit, this evil spirit was upon him. And they said, well, we know a guy, he's the son of Jesse. Let me tell you about him. And this is what it says about him. He was skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech. Everyone say prudent in speech. And a handsome person, and the Lord was with him. This was his M.O. among his peers. But what we see about David, and one of the parts of his life that caught people's attention, he was prudent in speech. There was wisdom and revelation and, 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 and all kinds of understanding about the power of the spoken word in his life. Now listen carefully to me. We're going to look at 1 Samuel 16 in just a moment, 17. But let me, let me say this to you. One of the first places mature faith shows up in your life is in your mouth. One of the first places mature faith shows up and is made manifest is in your mouth. With what you say. When you're faced with a Goliath in life. Are you with me? 1 Samuel 16, 18, he was prudent in speech. Look in verse 25 of chapter 17. Look what, he, look what he begins to do. Verse 25, he says, So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely has come up to defy Israel. And shall be that the man who kills the, him, him the king will enrich with great riches and will give him his daughter and give him his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David, man, don't you wish you had that? Exemption from taxes? Whoo! And David spoke to the men who stood by him and said, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? I'm telling you, faith began to pop in the atmosphere. People began to realize, Whoo, man, something's going on with this kid. And they said, bring, bring him to, to, to Saul. They brought him before Saul and he began to declare, uh, uh, you know, hey, I, I'll do this. And, and Saul said, well, go do it then. Renew the atmosphere of faith. It'll excite you and those around you. It'll energize you. It'll shock the atmosphere to the point of what? Action. Amen. I want to challenge you to get this one down. Again, the first evidence, one of the primary evidences of, 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 of a faith-filled heart it's what comes out of your mouth. The evidence of mature faith is what's coming out of your mouth when you're facing a giant in your life. Amen? We can energize the atmosphere. In fact, it's what, if you, if you remember, first, or pardon me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we walk by faith and not by sight. Chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians Paul says this, and, and verse 13, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. In other words, the evidence of my faith is what's coming out of my mouth. 
And if you've got faith that is growing and maturing and you're going to walk by faith, understand something. You can, re- you can restore or energize the atmosphere with what you say. But understand something. You can also undermine the spiritual atmosphere with what you say. Go back to the promised land and the spies. The majority came back and said, we can't do it. We're grasshoppers. And it infiltrated through the whole camp and a million people started crying, we're a bunch of grasshoppers. We can't do it. We've been minimized. God's promises were put on the shelf for 40 years because a lack of faith in the middle of a bad circumstance. How many of you want to learn to walk by faith and not by you got to renew your atmosphere. you gotta, you got to energize the atmosphere with what you say and begin to declare the words of faith. How do you do that? You begin to develop an understanding and a mindset of God. How do you do that? Man, you just begin to get God all over you. And, and what was it about David? It said that his MO, God is with him. You get God on your side and begin to serve him and follow him and worship him and and bless him and honor him and and get his power and presence operating in your life. And you get some understanding and knowledge of God. Listen, you can begin to stand up in the face of the Goliaths of your life and begin to speak into the spiritual atmosphere and it will turn the tide. It will, hey, it will energize the atmosphere. Amen. And finally, the fourth lesson we learned from the shepherd boy about walking by and not by It is this, remember God's track record of trust. It will maximize you. They said to him, how on earth can you do this? You're just a little boy. Verse 33, Saul said to David, you are not able to go up against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he's been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I struck it, uh, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he's defied the armies of the living God. (laughs) What did he learn? Out in the ship. Everybody thought he's out there singing tiptoe through the tulips. He's out there grabbing a line by the beard. Now I'm telling you, I'm not sure where you should grab a line. I've not, I'm not, I've not, I watched that YouTube video. I don't know, you know, Google it, somebody quick. How, if you're going to kill a line by the, with your bare hands, that's probably the best place. Don't grab him by the tail. He just, he grabbed him by, he said, listen, I've got a track record of trust here. When everybody thought I was out in the pasture tiptoeing through the tulips and singing to the sheep, I was learning how to be a man of war. And God who delivered me from the lion and the bear, he's gonna deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Now, if you've built no track record of trust, you got a problem here. 
But if you can begin to look back, how many of you could just look back in the past 48 hours and say, oh, God has kept me and saved me. And bless. Hey, if we just open our eyes to all that God is and what he has done in our life. Listen, you simply start studying the Bible and learning about God's track record of trust. It will begin to build a foundation of faith in your life. And you'll begin to realize, hey, I can trust God. I can trust him in the circumstances. Hey, if David could face a Goliath, so can I. And you can just, just by studying and, and, and living and, 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 and digesting the word of God in your life. You can also look back on your life and realize, whoo, God has been good. That's what Jesse DePlanet says. God has been good to Jesse. I'm telling you, I don't, hey, I, God has been just as good to Sammy as he has been to Jesse. Because God is good and he takes care of his kids. And I can trust him. Are you with me? David just say, let me just tell you why I can take this uncircumcised Philistine. I've developed and established a track record of trust in my God. And he takes good care of his kids. Amen. Let me give you three words to help you process this. Number one, remember. Everyone say remember. Psalms 103, this is David talking. Psalms 103, I love it. We used to sing it, probably still should. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. See, he's talking to himself. Hey, you're not crazy if you talk to yourself. This is encur- David learned how to encourage himself in the Lord his God. Look what he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And on and on he goes. David learned how to remember the benefits of God in his life. Everyone say remember. Everyone say rehearse. He knew how to rehearse the blessings of God in his life. In fact, Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the path of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate. There it is, he's rehearsing it. He's meditating on it day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth will prosper. Why? Because he understood the character and the nature of God. And he began to rehearse and meditate on the law of the Lord in his life. And it built a foundation and a track record of his trust in his his life and God was able to protect him from the Goliaths of life. Amen. You see, you got to remember God's track record of trust. It will maximize you even in the eyes of your enemies. And then the third word is rely. We've got to rely. Now, go back to Psalm 3. I love Psalm 3. We're going to close pretty quick. Psalm 3 David is surrounded. Lord, how there increase to trouble me, and many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say to me, there's no help for you in God. You ever heard that? 
I always say this. You know, everybody thinks the pastor is just always the man of faith and power for the hour. I've heard people come into my office and they tell me such terrible stories. I mean, life is bad for them. And I tell them all the right things. God will take care of you. You just got to trust him. And they walk out. I go, whew, I don't know if there's any help for them in God. That's bad. That's the way David was. There are many saying, there's no help for you. But he said, but you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me. My glory in the one who lifts up my head. I cried unto you with my voice. And, and you heard me out of your holy hill. I laid down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. What's he doing? He's relying upon God. He said, I will not be afraid of 10,000 people have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. I'm telling you, David, when everybody was against him, was relying totally upon God's track record of trust in his life. You see, God's calling each of us today to learn to walk by and not by sight. And we've got to let the little shepherd boy, David, teach us these life lessons. Number one, refuse to listen to the voice of fear and intimidation. Number two, refuse to listen to the voice of judgment. Number three, renew the atmosphere of faith. With what you say. And number four, remember God's track record of trust in your life. Now, you can tweet thou this. David didn't look at the size of the giant in front of him. He looked at the size of his God on the inside of him. He didn't look to the size of the giant. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. He looked to the inside of his life. The young man who is after God's own heart. He said to this Philistine, you're coming down. And next week we're going to talk about four more lessons. And the last one, I'll give you the last one. You've got to learn to run towards the roar. David ran towards this Philistine with a sling and a stone. Plunk. He fell down dead. And me, because I'm just kind of a uh, kind of guy, I like what he did next. He picked up the Goliath sword and he cut off his head. I just picture this in my mind. And he went, and all the armies of Israel got galvanized it was a great victory over all the Philistines you can't look at the size of your Goliath you got to look on the inside and see the size of your God we serve a great and a mighty he only doeth wondrous things. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will 
follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's stand together today. I don't know where you are in your circumstances, but I can tell you one thing. You will never get through them until you learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Until you learn to refuse to listen to that voice of fear and intimidation. Until you learn to refuse to listen to those judgmental things that are coming to you saying, you'll never make it. Who do you think you are? You're just a little kid. You're a this, you're a that. You'll never get through them until you learn to realize that your faith spoken out of your heart will energize the spiritual atmosphere and undermine the fear and doubt in your life and those around you. You'll never get anywhere until you begin to remember God is always good. That you can trust Him all the time. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Father, today I pray for this church family. For those listening to me today by way of the internet, by way of recorded message, I pray today we would learn some lessons from the little shepherd boy and knew some things about you. Caused him to be victorious, to be launched into ministry because of the knowledge of God in his life. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you're facing some Goliaths in your life, listen, if you're facing some Goliaths in your life, God may be looking to you to bring them down. But I'm going to be a good enough friend to you to pray for you this morning. God would give you grace to walk by faith and not by sight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're facing some Goliaths in your life, I want you to boldly lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. There's some Goliaths in my life. I see hands going up all through this room. God brought you here for such a time as this. He's going to give you strength to stand. He's going to stir. I came to stir you up this morning and energize the spiritual atmosphere over your life. We're going to pray for you today. And I'm going to ask you quickly, if you lifted your hand, come stand with me in the altar. I know the hour is past noon, but hey, let's just do this right if we're going to do it. If you're here today and you lifted your hand, come on quickly. Let's just, let's agree together in prayer. Everyone who lifted their hand, come on. Don't miss your moment. Don't miss your moment. Step out in faith. Run towards the roar here if necessary. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I want everyone to lift your hands towards these. And if others lifted their hand, you come on. Because we're going to agree together that God would give you grace and strength to stand in the face of adversity today. Some of our prayer team, come and touch them on the back and just agree together with them. Come on quickly. Come on quickly. Father, today in the name of Jesus, I want everyone to lift your hands towards these. Father, we stand with them today. And Lord, though we can always fight people's fight for them, we stand with them. And Lord, we encourage them today.
today in the things of God. We encourage them today to learn from the little shepherd boy that they can too can begin to face the Goliaths of their life and begin to speak to the Goliaths and begin to run towards the roar and find great victory in you. Today we declare it in Jesus' name. And we say, Lord God, though they come against us with a sword and a spear, with a voice of fear and doubt and intimidation and a voice of, of, of judgmentalism, Lord, we stand in faith against the Goliaths, Lord God, in the name of the Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous can run to it and are safe. Today we thank you that you are undergirding these saints of God in the fray. And Lord, we call forth within them the mighty man and woman of God. And Lord, the faith of God in their hearts to stand strong today and press forward into the victory of God over their life. In Jesus' name. And we declare that their Goliath is coming down. I want everyone in this room, and especially those who made it to this altar today, just to declare, my Goliath is coming down today. In Jesus' name, for the glory of Almighty God. Let's give Him some praise today. Come on, give Him some praise. This day! This day! In Jesus' name. Everybody smile and say amen. God bless you. You can go back to your seats. Thank you so much. God bless each and every one of you. Now, next week, you've got to be back. We're going to give you four more life lessons from the life of the shepherd boy on learning how to walk by and not by sight, okay? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come make their way across the front. Again, if you missed the opportunity, oh, thank you, Jeremy. If you missed the opportunity to be prayed for, you need prayer for any reason. They'll be here. If you're searching for a church home and you believe you're in the house where God has planted you, you come take one of these folks by the hand and say, you know what, I believe God is adding us to this church. They'll do the rest. And today, as you go out today and you want to be a blessing to our Agua team, Ryan's going to Mexico. Uh, and I've got two other guys, uh, Conan, you've met Conan and one of his friends, me, maybe so, maybe not. How many of you are going to be praying for our Agua team in Mexico uh, that God would bless them? And if you, want to, if you want to sow a seed into this trip, and, and, and believe you me, it, it will help. Uh, as you go out today, just drop something in the offer. Are the offering containers uh, at, at the doors, guys? Yeah, just go by. If you're writing a check, you just make it out to COTR North and write Agua at the bottom, and that'll get the job done. And uh, hey, we'll send that with them to be able to make a difference in Mexico. Everybody love the Lord. Say amen. We're going to count to three and we're going to shout, He is able. Are you with me? Here we go. One, two, three. He is able. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Kobe's going to be teaching Wednesday night. The guy who did our offering, he's going to be teaching on the word of, from the Word of God this Wednesday night. See you Wednesday. Amen.